This episode launches a new season of diving into the Bible and looking deeply into the dynamics of the text. It has been said that you can't study a text without a rabbi. Well, in the next several episodes, you get a bonus. You get a rabbi and a pastor as they begin in the book of Genesis. Hanging from the ceiling, 747 paperweights and Ezekiel as a valley girl. This week on A Rabbi and a Pastor Walked In. Hello, I'm Rabbi Ari. And I'm Pastor Danielle. And we are going to be talking for the next few sessions about the first 11 chapters in Genesis. And uh, the reason the first 11 is significant is because that's the history of the creation of all the regular parts of the world. Chapter 12 begins a focus on Abraham and his family. So we're going to talk about the creation of everybody and where that fits in and look at some ways the Bible has been translated and look at some of the questions in there and talk about why this uh, Bible is structured in such a way that it is and leads us to these types of understandings. And I think one of the things we talked about too is that these 11 chapters include stories that are uh, foundational to both of our faiths and to our understanding of who God is, who who we are as created beings, how creation itself operates. And so much of these stories in this first 11 chapter occur and have resonances within our modern literature and ancient literature as well. I mean, if you read Shakespeare, you're going to have resonances of these stories or Mark Twain and other places that um, this is neither... We, we talked a little bit about how these first 11 chapters are neither a Jewish nor a Christian text necessarily. Jews haven't shown up yet. Christians haven't shown up yet. Um, instead, these are this. This is the shared creation narrative story. And there's a lot of. Whenever you talk about religion, you're always walking in in the middle of the conversation. <laughs> there's just great. nothing you can do about yeah. that. And even the Bible mm-hmm. plops down in the middle of a conversation already with people who are right. wondering right. where did we come from. And then when any of us grow up in America or the world and we look at the Bible, we're not looking at the Bible for the first time. Mm -hmm. Our teachers Mm -hmm. and our friends and our Mm -hmm. family are telling us what it's all about. So before we even open the book, we have an idea of what we're supposed to find, Mm -hmm. which makes it harder to look at the book and see what it actually says. Right. Because we're just looking for that. I remember when I was given a copy of Genesis in English. It's a new translation back a long time ago when I had my bar mitzvah. My parents gave me a copy of Genesis, and I started reading and reading and reading and reading and reading, and I wanted to get to the story with Abraham smashing the idols. Right. And I read all the way (laughs) to the end of Genesis, and I opened up Exodus, and and I realized I wasn't going to get it in Exodus either because Abraham had been long dead. So I realized at that point that it wasn't in the Bible. And where did that story come from? Mm -hmm. And so many stories that we know or we think we know, come from the Bible, aren't there. Mm -hmm. So we're going to look at some of the things that that we think we're supposed to be looking for and some of the things that have been um, interpreted for us and then help you interpret them differently. Absolutely. And I think so much of even what we see visually, right, how many of us, when we picture Adam and Eve and the snake, we picture um, the fruit and we picture an apple based on, renaissance european paintings that have been handed down to us and every time you see a program on pbs about religion or the origins of our story those images will pop up 
with with an apple, and yet the text does not talk about an apple. So I think for the two of us to go through this text today and um, continue to ask the questions that all of humanity continues to ask, who are we? Where did we come from? What is our purpose? Um, Is there a God? And if there is, what is that God about? What is the character of that divine being? Yeah. So let's just pile in there, Genesis 1-1. I want to start with a couple of the strange things. First of all, um, in Hebrew, it is Bereshit bara Elohim, in the beginning, or in beginning actually, there's no the in there, in beginning, bara he created, Elohim, God did, et hashemayim, skies, same mm-hmm. word for skies and heavens, heavens just a little bit more metaphysical, et ha'aretz in the land, and if in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, period, if that's how you start off seeing this, then it's a whole other question because everybody says, so why did God have to create everything again if God created everything in verse 1? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so others uh, commentators mm-hmm. have looked at it and saw that it doesn't say in the beginning. It says in, in beginning. beginning. And so here are a couple translations that you might not think in the beginning of god's creating the heavens and the earth when the earth was astonishingly empty and darkness on the surface of the deep that da, 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 da. and what a, translations that that one is the um art scroll tanakh of genesis here is the everett fox translation which mm-hmm. is a hyper literal translation i like it in english at the beginning of god's creation Creating at the beginning of God's creating of the heavens and the earth, when the earth was wild and waste. I like that one. <laughs> That's nice. Darkness over the face of ocean, rushing spirit of God hovering over the face of the waters. God said, "Let there be light." That's great. The standard, not so funky translation in modern, uh, the, the the new Jewish Publication Society knew that was the one that my parents gave me back in uh, when I was thirteen. Um, when God began to create the heaven and the earth, the earth being unformed and void with darkness over the surface of the deep and a wind from God sweeping over the water, God said, let there be light. So what they understand is even is that the word Bereshit is not in the beginning God created. It is in beginning creation. Right. God. In beginning creation, God. Right. Yeah. So, it, and the other thing about that is that the order of the Hebrew is is backwards. So mm-hmm. it says, Bereshit bara Elohim. In beginning, created God. Now you can say it in Hebrew, biblical Hebrew as well as modern Hebrew, Bereshit Elohim bara. Mm-hmm. In beginning, God, God created. created. But it doesn't say that. It says, in beginning, created God. And so the question is, does that mean that when the world began, God began? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, nobody who believes in any kind of God would say, well, unless some kind of polytheisms have right. God origin stories. But right. if you believe in one God who created the universe, no, the universe came into being after God. Right. So what would it mean to say that the beginning created God? Mm-hmm. And the only thing that, well, the, the primary thing that comes out is that once there is a world, the world can appreciate God. So oh, God nice. isn't known yeah. as God until the world can recognize God. Mm-hmm. And so the existence of a world creates the concept of God, whereas before hmm. there didn't need to be such a concept. Fascinating. Because all there was was God. 
Or there's just a word order. It's just a word order thing. <laughs> but the fun thing is it's Bereshit, mm-hmm. which it, which comes from the word Rosh, by the way. Rosh. And Reshit means... And Rosh means... Rosh is a head. Mm-hmm. So in the head of creating. Mm-hmm. I'll get to that in a second. But the thing is, in that word, Beit, Resh, Aleph are the first three letters. Yeah. And they are create. Beit, Resh, Aleph, Bara. Bere, Bara is the same thing in right. Hebrew. All the consonants are the same. And so it's very interesting to wonder why does the Bible begin with the same three consonants repeated? Mm-hmm. It's almost like a double creation. Mm-hmm. Bara, Bara, created, created. Well, and then this first line is seven words, right? Mm-hmm. Bereshit bara Elohim et Hashemaim et Haaretz. Right. And seven is this beautiful, poetic, symbolic picture of completion and perfection, right? So you yep. have you have a lot going on in that in that very first line. And if you had simply just started with Bereshit bara Elohim, in the beginning God, or in the beginning, <laughs> not the, right? In beginning, we were joking, we we're going to talk about our entitled this week's podcast, In Beginning. Mm-hmm. In Beginning Created God or God created, that's already quite a bit of information, just those three words. Yep. By the way, one of the things about seven, so there'll be seven quote-unquote days of creation. Mm -hmm. And why seven? Now, there are all kinds of possible reasons, but one of the two of the things I like to think about is, number one, there are seven holes in your head. (laughs) Two eyes, two ears, two nostrils, and one mouth. (laughs) And since the word, the first word is in the head, bereshit mm-hmm, mm-hmm. means in the head. Right. So, of course, there are seven. There are seven output and input jacks. That's hilarious. In the head. <laughs> in the head. And the other thing about in the head is that that's how God would have created. That is, God had an idea to create. Mm-hmm. And even though we don't really focus on any kind of physical head to God, right? the fact is the head is what we consider to be the place where ideas arise. So God thought, actually, the word is said Mm -hmm. creation, Mm -hmm. because it was an idea. Hmm. How did God create it? Well, God brought out God's saw and hammer and divine nails and things like that. No. Mm And um, right, and and the next is and he'll speak, right? I mean, it's just like right. let there be light, and there was light. So it's not, but there's it's not no speak. hammering. It's all right. Amar, right? It's all say. He say, right? It's, which is really interesting because were it speak, mm-hmm. the word for speak is davar or daber, right. right? And davar daber, which means speak, also means thing. Mm-hmm. Sure. So it would be turning word into, into substance, thing. Right. into thing, right? But that's the word that's right. not used, right? And that's quite interesting. It is. And, and uh, I've always, I mean, I, I remember basically in the, my first year in rabbinical school when I began to think significant about these things, I wonder why didn't it use the word speak? Right. God spoke. I love that. Yeah. Vayom, Ben said, Vayom Elohim. Right. Right. By the way, there's another seven that I wanted to say. So there's seven holes in our heads. Mm-hmm. There's all, there were also seven movable stars, moving stars. Hmm. That is, that's what they call them, Kochave Lechet. Uh, and those were planets. Right. In addition to the 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 five visible ones, Mercury, Venus, Mars, uh, and uh, Jupiter, Saturn, they didn't consider Earth to right. be one of those. Right. There were also Moon and Sun. Mm-hmm. So all the rest of the stars nice. are called fixed stars because mm-hmm. they don't move mm-hmm. relative to each other, mm-hmm. at least over time scales that your eyes can see. But um, so there were seven heavenly bodies that moved independent of the stars. Right. 
So there are seven holes in our head and seven independent things moving around the sky. And then coming up, of course, as the narrative continues, there will be, for the first three days, day one, two, and three, a form created, right? Some sort of space. But then day four, God will make the things that go into day three, one. day one, right? And then in day, day right? So you, there's just forming light, and filling. lamps. Day right. one, light. Day four, lamps. Day two, the division between the water and the earth so that the dry land appears. And day five has the plants. Mm -hmm. And the same thing. Day three is the full dry land. And then you have day six, which right. is the animals that live on the And on ultimately the humanity. And then the question is, what is seven? Yeah. So is seven a repetition of one and four? Mm -hmm. So light, mm -hmm. lamps, and the Sabbath? Mm -hmm. Is the Sabbath That's a nice. form of light? Right. Can you make that conclusion? Mm -hmm. Or it's one more form than then we're to fill. Huh. Right? So if, if this is the space that God then creates for us to spend time resting, ceasing, stopping, and being with God, then we're to fill that. And I think then that, that beautiful portion of the first line, the very first line in Genesis 1, is God, if God creates the heaven and the earth, but then he has to fill it. Right. Right. So, so maybe it's not so much like this is a repetition of that story, but it's again this beautiful poetic way of talking about I will create space and then I will fill it. And one of the things we've discussed is, you know, what would you like to make sure that somebody that you loved knew about this story or, or knew about um, who they're created to be or who, or how God considers them or how God can acts or creates in this world. And one of the things that I would love the people that I love, my kids and, and my congregation to know is that God won't form something without also filling it. And so you are created and formed, but also intended to be filled with purpose, with community, with that all of that um, intentionality that God has put you out here. You don't have to worry that God has created you without also the promise of filling you with a purpose or a call. Or... That's an interesting one. What I do with these things is that everything has a place. Right. Everything yeah, is nice. in order. Mm -hmm. And that the whole... This day was good. That day was good. And at the end, it's, oh, wow, it's really good. Yeah, um, good twice. Good, Yeah, good, good. And, um, <laughs> and, and so that this order of the universe is good. And right. I remember experiencing the order of the universe for the first time when I was a freshman in high school. Mm. And we took what was called quantitative science, mm. by which they meant how do you measure in physics experiments? Mm-hmm speed, mm -hmm. acceleration, mm -hmm. all these different types of things. And it was the first time that I'd come across what a lot of uh, Renaissance uh, scientists discovered, which was that the world proceeds and is created on the basis of mathematics. Mm -hmm. And it all is very orderly. Right. Uh, and, and so that, that was like, oh, I can't believe it. And some <laughs> people were actually saying, well, you know, God's Spoke the language of mathematics, the the, the saying mm -hmm. that that created all the world was God speaking mathematics. That's beautiful. Of course, that was before we discovered all kinds of uh, quantum science and calculus, where 
there are inexactitudes that you have to make limits and approximations and nothing actually works out anymore. So that you get to the point where the very, very, very small where this order seems to disappear mm-hmm. and it becomes the realm of probability again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But at least from this particular story, the macro universe, the universe that we can see with our eyes is an order. Right. And when we talk about that, again, like verse two at the very beginning, where the earth was formless and empty, a tohu vavohu, right? That is, you don't, you don't want tohu vavohu in your life. You don't want chaos in nope. your life. You, but then we have this next line and picture of God hovering over that chaos and then starting to speak order. And as God you know, Vayom or Elohim, right? Like as God starts to speak, Vayhior, Vayhior, right? And then there was light. And then there was light and there was light. Now, order. Over the darkness, God has been hovering over the surface of these waters, over this chaos, and God brings light in the midst of that. Another thing I would want my kids to know, don't fret, right? If if a lot of chaos starts to come your way, a lot of tohu vavohu, if you're standing on the brink of the abyss, you you know that there is a God that can bring order even in the midst of that. I want to say one thing about the word for chaos that we were using here, tohu vavohu. Neither word makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And so tohu vavohu is like, oi, oi, oi. Right. It, it, it's not a word that makes any sense. Right. It, it just conveys the chaotic nature of things, mm-hmm. tohu vavohu. Mm-hmm. So all the translations, wild and waste, astonishingly empty, whatever these things are, right. they're all attempts to render a concept which has no meaning. Right. Except, oi. Oi. And then, right, there's this darkness and this tohu vavohu, and then over the surface of the deep, the tahom, the abyss right. in front of you, um, God is there. And there's a place where you can hike in Israel at, at Wadidzin, at Nahalzin. And when you go up to the top, it says in Hebrew, like, be careful, abyss ahead. And it has this word, tahom. Right. right. Well, that's the word for abyss. Right. Yeah. It's careful. There's this big dark hole you don't want to go into. Like you're careful. Don't stand too close to this edge. And yet in this economy of this Genesis story at the very beginning, God is even standing or hovering over that. You know, uh, so if you want to experience the abyss, it's always a matter of everything is relative and changing mm-hmm. the frame of reference. If you lie on your back outside at night. Mm-hmm. and look into space. Look away from the moon. Because that'll just take up all your vision. But look into deep space and realize that you're hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> right. right. Instead of lying on your right. back on the ground, yes. if you yep. think of yourself hanging from the ceiling mm-hmm. and looking down into space, mm-hmm. it, then you'll get an idea of how far and what an abyss it looks like. Right. But you, we don't grow up that way because we have this nice gravity well holding us in place. But if we realize that basically we're plastered to the ceiling, right. we're looking at no matter what, what direction you're looking, right. you're looking 14 billion light years out there. Mm-hmm. That's a whole nother experience. Mm-hmm. I remember the first time I did mm-hmm. that, it's like, ah, I'm going to fall 14 billion light That's years so... into space. I knew, lovely. I, I knew I wasn't. Oh, the other thing I want to say is that there, we, have a, we have an interpretation that God created many worlds. Hmm. Now, how does that come? I don't want to go into a leap, uh, a deep uh, textual analysis or a variety right. of verses throughout the Bible, which allow you to do that. But one of them is that the beginning of the Torah, the beginning of Genesis, begins with the second letter 
of the alphabet. Right. Now, the first letter is Aleph. The second letter is Bet. Aleph and Bet is an Aleph Bet, so we call it instead of alphabet, but mm-hmm. you can hear Aleph and Bet. Mm-hmm. Aleph looks like an X, and Bet is if you put your right hand up and you make a like a backwards, backwards C. C. Right. right. That's what a Bet looks like mm-hmm. mostly. And since Hebrew goes from right to left, you find that if you're going out of a bet, you're going forward only. You can't go up, you can't go down, you can't go back. Right. Whereas an olive, you fall out of it's an X. Mm-hmm. You can fall down, you can fall up, you can fall forward, right. you can fall back. There's no containment. There's it. no containment. There's no direction. Mm-hmm. So the rabbi said, yes, God created many, 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 many worlds. Mm-hmm. And the fact that God, we begin the Torah with the second letter of the olive bet is to show you mm-hmm. that there were things beforehand. There was a lot of olive nice. back there. Nice. But... Don't ask, because you won't know, because <laughs> right. there's no way to find out about it. Right. You can only take that bet and go forward. Go forward from here. Right. So mm-hmm. the only world we can know anything about is the one we're in mm-hmm. and moving through. A uh, fr- mutual acquaintance of ours, Rabbi Judah Dardik, who used to be in the East Bay and is now uh, working and serving and living in Israel, he once told us in, in a study session that you can um, ask this first story in the Bible, this creation narrative, to be a science book or to be a history book. But that's like asking a 747 to be a paperweight. <laughs> said, he said, you, it might hold it down. It holds a lot of paper right, down. It might hold yeah. that piece of paper down. That one wheel that can roll across can certainly hold a but piece of paper. But what a waste. But paper. what a waste. Yeah. What a waste. Because it's not intended to do that, right? It's intended to fly. And I've loved that explanation of this creation narrative. If... If you want to sit down and say, well, so this is exactly what we mean then. The earth is only this old. There were 24-hour days. There were seven-day periods. So, you know, I'm going to read the Bible literally, and I'm not going to read it symbolically or figuratively, which doesn't necessarily mean that you're not reading it, believing that it's true, right? But when this starts in, in some level of poetry and beauty as this picture is created, I think so much of this narrative is created to tell us, that God created, that God is creating, that God will create again. Um, so much of the narrative is talking about how what God creates is to constantly be in this process of creation, right? Be fruitful and multiply to the trees, to the fruit trees, to animals, to human beings. Continue this process of creation. And um, and that's been much more deeply meaningful to me and has in many ways, you know, figuratively allowed the text to fly for me in these beautiful ways and become deeply meaningful in my life rather than asking, what did God make on what day and when did the dinosaurs show up and all of those things, which has also always been my my observation is that um, those that are trying to argue for a, a literal six-day, 24-hour period as we presently experience them creation typically can't tell you what was created on any of those days. Well, I don't know. But there are a lot of people right. who can. There but, are a lot, but 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 I just only mean that we might be missing part of the story. There if was a we're there was an ultra orthodox rabbi who had a camp in town here in Palo Alto, and he took kids during Passover. Uh, he decided to take all the kids who wanted Jewish kids who wanted to go uh, to Marine World, uh, and they were having a special exhibit on dinosaurs and i asked him i said what are you going to do when you get there and they say the dinosaurs and say what when were they he says well i don't know when they were and if they were it's fine if they were but they weren't more than five thousand seven hundred and sixty years ago right. <laughs> i'm going okay and and and, and right. so th- that's a problem when you look at these particular texts and mm-hmm. assume that this is talking about 
that kind of a thing. When we talked about God creating light on day one right. and lamps, that is the planets right, and the stars, on day, four. on day four, it wasn't until day four that there was a 24-hour day. Right. And so yep. the question is what, that's fine, mm-hmm. maybe the last four, five, and six were 24-hour days, but what were the first three? Right, right. And yep. so uh, what most of my colleagues, mm-hmm. liberal mm-hmm. theologians, and when I say my colleagues, I mean liberal theologians in any religion, right. do, is we say, well, a new day is a new era. right. We nice. talk about, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's 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 the day of this, the day of the dinosaurs, mm-hmm. the day of the mm-hmm. what. And so when we talk about a new day dawning, that's meaning time is new for us because of something that has changed. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't need to feel 24-hour days or justify anything like that. One of the things that's right. lacking in the discussion of the creation is bugs. I mean, vi- bugs and all. Right. There are no bugs mentioned. Well, there are, you know, there are, mm-hmm. there are quadrupeds mentioned, mm-hmm. but there aren't any bugs. Mm-hmm. And no viruses for sure. Mm-hmm. Bacteria, mm-hmm. more than amoeba created. We don't have that. Why? Because it couldn't see them. Mm-hmm. And which brings us to a whole other question, which is this book was not written from God's point of view. Mm-hmm. Now, you might say God wrote it and God dictated it to Moses. And I okay, fine. But I ask you then, why did God write it this way? Right. In the beginning, God created. It's like, I remember when Bob Rather Dole. Than I. Yeah, when Bob Dole was running for president, <laughs> and he would refer to himself so in the, the third, third person. person. Mm-hmm. Bob Dole, Bob Dole, Bob. And nice guy. But mm-hmm. why didn't God say, in the beginning when I created this here world? Mm-hmm. This is what I did. This is what I did. Mm-hmm. So it all starts off, in the beginning, God did this, God did this, God did that. Right. There are some times when God is quoted speaking. Mm-hmm. But it's usually in the mouth of somebody else saying, this is what God said. Mm-hmm. And so that is a statement that the book was written by people mm-hmm. who saw God speaking to them mm-hmm. about what had happened. Mm-hmm. And instead of God, the author, like Mark Twain or whatever, saying right. talking about his trip to right. the world, uh, Innocence Abroad, uh, why isn't first person? And the answer is because it isn't that kind of a book. Right. Now, I don't know how that's going to go over somebody who believes in what's called biblical literalism, which I don't find to be meaningful as a word. Because when you look at, well, no, mm-hmm. because I know. Yep. there is no such thing as literal. That's right. All there are are interpretations. We have four levels of interpretation in Judaism. Yes. And the first one is simple, mm-hmm. but not literal. Right. Why is it right. simple? Because we take the common understanding of, of what it word, is. Right, of the word, right. Of the word. In but the Hebrew, not in the King James English. In the Hebrew, right. In the Hebrew. But right. the thing is that the first, but we know it's the first level of interpretation. Mm-hmm. It's interpreting to interpret that it's simple. Because mm-hmm. when you say uh, something which is obviously uh, impossible. Right. Are you saying it because you, you're making a joke? Are you saying it because you're making a metaphor? Right. right. What are you doing? And the Bible is full of poetry, and right. poetry is full of metaphors. Mm-hmm. And this whole beginning is of the Bible is seen by some as a poem. Mm-hmm. Actually, you know what? It's, uh, for those who believe that the Bible was written by different authors, this was the priestly author mm-hmm. because it's the genealogy. Mm-hmm of heaven and earth. Mm-hmm. And all mm-hmm. the genealogies in the Bible were written by the priestly authors because mm-hmm. they were the most supremely concerned with who's your daddy. Right. Where'd you come from? <laughs> if, if you're a priest, your kid, your son's a priest. Mm-hmm. If you're a boy, your dad must have been right. a priest. So. And 
And whether or not somebody wants to say, I want to take the, the simple interpretation or understanding of this word or, or the literal, however they're maybe choosing to do that in the English or whatever translation they might be using or the actual original language, you can still believe that the text is inspired, God-breathed, without it having to be a science story or a historical narrative of exactly this happened and then this happened. And if it's not mentioned here, it didn't, right? So there can't be bugs yet, or there can't be viruses yet, or there can't be dinosaurs because they were not actually mentioned. So that people try to end up having to do all this acrobatic work in order to, and if they can't get that acrobatic work with the text to make good math for them, then they get flustered, right? Um, I have to walk away from this now. It can't be the very words of God because maybe it is a poem or maybe it is, isn't is telling me exact science or history of how all of this was done in, in whatever passage you're looking at. For me, it, it is not, um, that's not what defines it as being God-breathed or God-inspired. Right. I, I, I don't even know what God-inspired means in some respects. And I'll tell you why. Um, I look at this is being written by people, mm -hmm. but all of creation is being made by God. Mm -hmm. So if you ask me, did God write the Torah? The answer is absolutely. Sure. What else is there? Right, right. <laughs> so for God to inspire it, yes. yep. God could have written it. But, I mean, the hands that physically wrote it absolutely. were pieces of God. So I don't have any problem with that. But mm -hmm. the question is, what does it mean mm -hmm. to say that it is God inspired? And that's not to me a statement of origin. Right. It's a statement of direction. Mm -hmm. So that if yes. you think yep. that God is inspiring this, then you want to emulate it and you want to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, you know, I can't create a world. There's a joke about that. There's a guy, I mean, because everybody understands right. the world is not create, is not perfect. Right. So this guy said to God, you know, yeah, I can make a better world. And, <laughs> and God said, oh, you want to try, see this? Go ahead. See if you can make a better world. So the guy starts digging a hole and God says, wait, 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 wait. Make your own dirt. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So uh, so anyway. Um, well, we have, you know, soon we'll talk about something that's God-breathed, right? When we talk about the creation of humanity. Yep. Um, but for, for Christians, there's this text in 2 Timothy 3.16 that says, All scripture, right, all Torah is God-breathed and valuable, useful for teaching the truth, convicting of sin, correcting faults, and training in right living. Now, when the Apostle Paul writes this letter to Timothy... The New Testament is not written yet. All right. Right? So he doesn't know he's writing a letter that's going to be in our canon someday. So when he talks about this God breathe, that's the word that is also connected then in the Greek for inspired. And this is what Christians will talk about when we talk about how do we, how do we um, understand what this book is. And it's it's breathed, but like it's God breathed, like God's the one that that puts life into it. Now that's not to say that it isn't also then. Uh, I I don't think that for me that doesn't mean that it comes down from heaven on a golden thread, right? In my leather bound NIV in the English with nice commentary notes on the bottom, but that inspired, right? That God is behind the creative um, direction and work of this. Let me just comment on that too. So God behind. Whenever we use words of direction, right. And relation to God, mm -hmm. there are problems. So when it says the spirit right. of God hovered over the face of the deep, right. what does over mean? Right. Now, over in some respects, it also means, just like it does in English, responsible for. Mm -hmm. I am over this job. Mm -hmm. I'm the person who's mm -hmm. supervising. I'm the responsible over this job. Right. And so that can also mean that. But when you talk about the vision, 
right. of water right. and a surface of the water being chaotic. Right. And somehow there's this wind on top of it. Then that is an awfully small view of a, it's a very terrestrial, earthy view mm-hmm. of what this is all about. And if you understand, if you think about the creation of the entirety of the universe, right. however you want to think about mm-hmm. it, there is no up. Right. There is no down. Right. And so all of that is relative. As soon as you leave this planet and yes. you go out into space and you right. wonder what's up and what's down, that's not how things are done anymore. No, we have a limitation. The human language is limited. So when we talk about any of these things, we're limited to the construct immediately of language. Right. And then what language are you using and how is that going to work? And well, God is speaking math, remember? Right. God <laughs> speaks math or, or God speaks Hebrew and, and so many of the world doesn't, right? So many members of people who take this text very seriously don't speak Hebrew, don't nope. read Hebrew. Um, so I think it, you're immediately right. You're found into the limitation of a language and, um, and of human understanding almost instantaneously. And when I think about our limitations to describe any of this, I often think about Ezekiel's vision when he has this crazy vision, right, of, of God's presence and of heaven and all this. And it's, it's wild. And the chariot. The chariot the- and it's wild. And it says the rims were high and awesome. And I always, I always think about um, <laughs> those, those uh, big rides, like the big cars that people like to make super fancy and stuff today. So I think about this vision of Ezekiel with the rims being high and awesome in the midst of all of that. Ezekiel's trying to describe something that's indescribable. Yep. So whenever anyone sits down and says, well, what does he really see? And then you try to draw a picture of it. Well, it's just madness. It looks like you're having the most crazy. There's eyes everywhere. It went in every direction at once. There were wings. I mean, you can't, he can't use language as a matter of fact, he says ke, which means like, and ke'en, which is like, and dome, right. and right. which means resembling. Kind of like this, kind of like that. that. It was kind of like this. That's right. right. I've never seen any other text in the Bible that is so qualified by I, something like this, and with something like that, and look a little bit like this. And it's like a teenager from the valley. So then I was like, <laughs> like, and then I went like, and then it was like this, and it was like that. <laughs> I've never heard Ezekiel compared to a valley girl. <laughs> that's that's a, a new one. That's a new one. Right. We have we have these limitations for how we're trying to describe the indescribable. Yep. And minimally, then, if we approach this narrative with that type of humility. This is trying to describe something that is indescribable. But then what can we know from it? What's possible? Well, we know there's order coming out of chaos. We know that there is light coming out of darkness. We know that there is purpose, um, that there's something being formed, but then also filled. These are all good things to know, uh, regardless of how one chooses to interpret the text in, in all these various ways. And I have one little last comment when you talk about God breathed. God's name, which is not used in this chapter, it right. starts in chapter 2, yud Hey vav Hey Adonai, is a verb. Mm-hmm. And it's yud Hey vav Hey, which means cause to be, mm-hmm. something which causes something to be. And when it says, and God spoke, and then it says, Vayahi, Vayahi, and it was, right. and there was, Beautiful. or whatever. Yes. Uh, it me, It's using a form of God's name. Mm-hmm. So when God spoke, Yes. And it got did it in, it got it into existence. It got it into existence. Yes, <laughs> right. beautiful. And so that's another way to think of this whole thing: that God spoke, right? And it got it into existence. And there's that discussion, right, amongst um, the rabbis that 
that when you start to say yod hey vav hey God's name, that it has each of the letters have the requirement of sort of like a, a breath that comes with it, like right. so that you're almost that breathing. Hey, right? You have to push right. this breath God in breathe. and out. And that every child, when born, immediately can start to breathe and can start to experience the name of God. First breaths. And if we think about then this world that we know, this universe that we know, all of it, um, being God-breathed as it comes into existence via he or right, like this this breath starts to take place. There's Amen. something beautiful there. Amen. Amen.